0: Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind, because it's story time. Humans, by nature, are territorial creatures. Whether it's a seat at a coffee shop or our lane on the freeway, we make it known with our bags or car horns when we have claimed a space. But there are non-human entities that are territorial as well. So what happens when humans and spirits claim the same space? Who does it truly belong to? On this week's episode, I'll be sharing stories that discuss the concept. Of territory. First, I read a true story about a fishpond business in the Philippines that houses a spirit that refuses to leave. Then, we'll hear from Greg Mania, who worked at a consignment shop with an easily disturbed resident. And finally, I share a true story about a boy whose life was changed when he witnessed the smoke man. Chapter 1 The Kamatayan by Mannequin. So, this happened back when my family and I were still living in the Philippines. I grew up in Quezon City before we moved here to San Francisco. Back in the 80s, around the period after the People Power Revolution, my paternal grandparents invested in a palaistaan fish pond in Papanga. They had people running the business, but they had my dad take responsibility in managing it. It was very stressful for him because aside from having a full-time job in the city, he had to travel to Pampanga for the weekends to oversee everything. When my grandfather had the fishpond house built, he imagined it to be a nice lake house type of home with an area that overlooked the fishpond and the river where the family could gather to eat. But from the beginning, that place had created nothing but bad luck and drama for our family. My uncle was jealous that my grandparents had my dad manage things. So he accused my dad of taking all the profits and not giving a fair share to everyone. My uncle even got my aunts to side with him. This wasn't true at all. My dad was made to look like the villain, so my grandparents had to step in and protect him. I felt so bad for him. He was already under so much stress from his other job and dealing with the NPA. Anyway, back to the fish pond. Let me give a description of the place so you can picture just how isolated the fish pond is from civilization. My family, plus Lola, aunts and uncles, would visit the fish pond from time to time for family gatherings. To get there, we had to ride a very narrow banca from a city in Pampanga. Then it was like an hour boat ride on the river. It started with wide river paths and then we'd pass some nipa huts and cement homes along the way, but mostly mangrove and forested areas. Then we followed a more narrow path where you are surrounded by mangroves. You can touch the plants as you pass by. About 10 minutes away from our fish pond house was a small patch of land with the weirdest looking plants. Every time we passed by, my dad would always tell me that the workers called that area evil. That's why the foliage looks so ominous. I had always thought he was teasing me. Then we would finally arrive at the docking area. It had this cement wall and was covered in painted crosses. All the walls around the outside of the house were full of these painted crucifixes. The Philippines is a very Catholic country, so at the time, I had never thought anything of it. I figured the workers were just incredibly religious. As if that wasn't enough, The interior of the house was also overloaded with holy icons. Tons of crosses hanging on the walls, statues of Jesus and Mary taking up almost every foot of space, and even inside the bathrooms. Imagine ten crosses hanging by the staircase, a Santo Niño next to the toilet. It was absolute overkill. As a kid, this never bothered me. I had fun whenever I was at that house. The only time I ever felt uncomfortable there was when I went to the second floor. There was always this feeling of heaviness and claustrophobia. So one weekend, my dad decided to bring my mom along to the fishpond house with him. He had a meeting with the staff, and they had a tendency to get really heated. So my dad thought having my level-headed, call mother there would help in case things escalated. That night, the meeting was running very late, so around midnight, my mom went to the main bedroom on the second floor to sleep. In the room were three beds set parallel to each other. My mom slept on the bed closest to the door. Around early morning, my mom woke up because of a sudden, strong feeling of dread. She was in a half-asleep, half-awake state. When her vision cleared a bit, she saw a tall, dark figure seated on the bed furthest away from her. She figured it was my dad. She looked away to try to clear her foggy mind. When her eyes looked back to the figure, it was more pronounced now. In my mother's own words, the figure looked like the cloaked Gamatayan carrying its scythe. She could not make out its face because it was so dark, and there was so much darkness surrounding it. She again tried to make sure she was not dreaming and what she was seeing was the real deal. So she closed her eyes and opened them again to see the figure still there looking at her. There was always the thought that it may have been someone playing a prank on her, but all she got that moment was the strong feeling that the presence was evil. She was in fight or flight mode and her gut was telling her to run away because what she was seeing was not human. So she quickly ran out of the room and found my dad. She told him what she saw and they returned to the room, but the figure had already vanished. That night, my mom and dad just slept on the sofa in the living room, surrounded by the staff sleeping on their benigs. The next day, my mom asked the wife of the manager about the figure she saw. The wife explained that they are being haunted by that same figure again and again. They had the house blessed so many times, but it keeps returning. That is why they have so many crucifixes and statues of Jesus and Mary everywhere. They believe that the evil spirit is coming from the weird mangrove patch that you pass by before you arrive at the house. My mother saw this as a sign, that things were about to get worse. Not long after this sighting, my dad discovered that his staff and the manager had been stealing money from the business. He confronted them about it, and the staff was not happy about this, and they tried to shoot him. My dad survived because his chauffeur shielded him with his body. This place had brought nothing but pain to my family, and my dad decided it was finally time to sell it. But before he did, he burned the mangrove in hopes that it would drive the evil entity away. We don't know if it worked because my dad and Lola lost touch with the people who run it today. So. If you ever stay at a house that is so full of holy objects and you have Santo Niño's and Virgin Mary's in the bathroom, chances are something evil is haunting that home. Kamatayen, which literally translates to death, is the Filipino Grim Reaper the symbolic representation of death itself. This particular entity had taken residence at this fishpond house and doesn't seem interested in leaving anytime soon. Perhaps the entity was not pleased with the fact that this family had now taken residence in its dominion and proceeded to curse the family with bad luck. Or maybe it was the family that somehow attracted the entity to the property. What do you think? Chapter two, Put the Doll Back.
1: My name is Greg Magno, and I am a Brooklyn-based author.
0: I was introduced to Greg through Will and Kristen Rogers, the hosts of the Guide to the Unknown podcast, whose story you'll hear in the future. Greg used to be a non-believer until, like most former non-believers, He had an experience of his own.
1: The first and only time that I experienced something of the paranormal uh, variety was when I was working in retail, which should send a chill down your spine already because it's retail. And I was an assistant manager of this consignment boutique in Soho in lower Manhattan. The
0: boutique, Green Street Consignment, is no longer there.
1: 347 West Broadway. I don't I can't believe I just remembered that.
0: The story begins before Greg began working at this shop. The manager was training new staff members on the nightly closing routine.
1: And then someone was downstairs in the basement of the store cleaning up because the previous tenant left a mess down there. And they came across this tiny like voodoo doll in a crevice in the wall in the basement. It looked like a child made. It was very, like, just very tiny, and it had, like, three little, like, needles in the doll. Like, just a very, like, basic, brown, beige-colored doll. It had to have been, like, household materials. I want to say, like, burlap was, like, maybe the doll's body.
0: The employee removed the doll from the crevice.
1: And I guess they just, like, chucked it to the side, <laughs> like, just not, like, totally, like had no idea like what the significance of it was and why would you just install in the bottom of the basement. But then the next day, very weird things started happening where, you know, bags were misplaced. There were clothes on the floor. And mind you, you know, this is Soho. It's not on a, you know, hill or anything. The store was very level and, um, you know, there wasn't any incline. So there were shirts on the floor, bags on the side. And, they would come in and be like, did you straighten this? You know, and it was very weird and confusing. And the landlord, they had keys pieces, store, but they never came in, like, of their own volition. So they had no idea, like, why the clothes were, like, moved around, why bags were on the floor.
0: This continued to happen over the next week or so. The employee who was opening the store would walk into a total mess, a mess that only seemed to happen while the store was closed.
1: So a week or so later, the temperature of the store, like on the thermometer in the temperature control device was like going up. Like it was raised always a few degrees higher. So the store would be like a Donna when you come in the next morning. And so they were like, it cannot be the little doll in the basement that we moved but someone got paranoid, and they they went back downstairs and they put the doll back in the little crevice and when she put the doll back in the crevice, every unexplainable thing that happened subsided, and that's when i was that's when I was brought in and started training, and I was fresh on the heels of this doll getting moved. and then we had a new staffer come in. And they were in the basement, and I think someone from, like, the corporate office was with them.
0: They saw the doll and picked it up. At this point, the doll had sort of become an unofficial legend among the employees. But this particular person wasn't buying it.
1: And they were like, this is silly or whatever, and they removed the doll again. And then, once again i would come into the store and see things lying around on the ground bags and shirts and dresses and i was thoroughly spooked out so i was like we have to get homegirl back into that crevice because she's not very happy with us right now so i was too scared to even go downstairs to the basement they'd be like can you go get some hangers uh we're running low and i would be like i would rather get laid off than go downstairs and deal with whatever entity is down there. So the manager who has seen it went back down there and was like, we're putting it back in there. I'm not even going to tell anyone that it's there. Um, Let's just drop it.
0: This manager knew what to do because she had experienced paranormal activity before when she was younger.
1: She right away didn't cast this away as some ridiculous doll because as a kid and teenager, she's had interactions with ghosts she was like okay there's something here that we are not respecting and we need to show that we are not a threat to it or its space and we need to just put it back in its rightful place and hopefully learn to coexist with it and for the duration of the store remaining in that location (laughs) we kept the doll in the wall where she rightfully belongs the store was there for about a year, but then the rent got raised and the, the company closed that store. So it's not even there anymore. But I know that it changes. I, I sometimes go by there just to see what's in that location and it's either like an art gallery or like a pop up. So I don't know what the reason for the turnover rate is It's either the rent or possibly the doll <laughs> who is not pleased with the choice of business that has attached itself.
0: When Greg described the doll, what did you initially picture, and how did it make you feel? Because of pop culture, the image of a handmade doll covered in pins typically strikes a feeling of fear. Many would probably call this a voodoo doll. The mainstream understanding of a voodoo doll is one of revenge, and sticking the doll with needles will cause pain to the receiver. However, This is not how these items are actually used. There was a lot more to voodoo than these dolls, but when they are used, voodooists might hang one near a grave to send a message to an ancestor on the other side. To connect a doll with a particular spirit, you would pin a personal token or charm to the doll. Just as Catholics may pray to a statue of a saint, a voodooist can use a doll to help focus their intentions. So with that being said, maybe this doll was created by someone who knew there was a presence in this basement. They used the doll to communicate with it, and by securing it in the wall, a pact was made between the living and the dead, that the spirit would be at peace if it was left undisturbed. And when the doll was relocated, the promise was broken. This is all just conjecture, of course but what most paranormal stories really come down to is respect. If you abide by the rules, the spirits will leave you alone. And lucky enough for this consignment shop, they figured out the rules before it got any worse. Check out Greg's new book, Born to Be Public. Link is in the show notes. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer. And podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel, and also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So, do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Chapter 3 The Smoke Man by Jake I am here to tell you about something that occurred when I was five, and still absolutely terrifies me. So my family is extremely religious, Christian to be more exact, but they don't believe in spirits or ghosts. Although I would not consider myself a Christian since I guess I just never understood the whole religion and all, but I believe there is a God, and that heaven, hell, and all of that is real. There's definitely something out there. As a child, and even now, I have always been sensitive to the paranormal and such. Not like insanely gifted like others, but still, quite sensitive. It's like I can feel the energies around me and see things others cannot. The first time I discovered this was when I was three. I had walked into my room, and there, Sitting on my bed was an angel with flowing golden hair and a sword which seemed to be forged out of light hanging at his side. He was absolutely beautiful, but whenever I tried to get my mother to see, he disappeared. I'm not sure why he was there, whether he was protecting me or something, but he was there. I would see other things like that, but... Due to me being a young child, no one would ever believe me, so I would stop believing I was truly seeing these things. I just ignored them, until the fateful day which changed my life, and still affects me today. Growing up, my family had always been very close with my cousins. Although they lived a state away in North Carolina, we were still always close. When I was about five, we were called up by my uncle to see their new house and visit them. I wasn't in school yet, and my brother was still young, so my parents agreed to come. I was overjoyed to see my cousins and couldn't wait to play with them. So all through the day, we explored the new house and played together, only taking a break for a few snacks, lunch, and dinner before bedtime. It was just before lunchtime, and we were playing hide and seek. We were still looking for the last person hiding, my older cousin, Jen, and me and my two other cousins grouped up to find her. While on our search, we heard shuffling coming from inside a closet. We all silently smirked at each other, thinking it had to be Jen. So I slowly turned the knob, and we all giggled, expecting to find Jen. It was hard to see inside the closet, so I pulled the door open further, and a little bit of light spilled into it. That was when I first saw him. Or maybe it? I really don't know. But a powerful, masculine energy emitted off of him. I stared in horror, grabbing my cousin's hands. I asked if they saw it, and they nodded, frozen and on the verge of tears. He was tall and completely made of what looked like black smoke. Although there were no visible eyes, such a hatred was pouring out from him and all feelings of happiness and hope were drained into this black void of that creature or man he seemed so sinister and despite only being a child i still knew he was pure evil Evil. While we were only there for a few seconds before screaming and crying, running to our parents, it felt like hours being there with what I will call him. My mother asked what was wrong. We said, there was a man in the closet. My uncle and father both grabbed a nearby heavy object in case they had to knock out what they believed to be a home invader. They went over to the closet and braced themselves. But when they looked inside, no one was there. All that remained was a musty smell and a simple, empty closet. Jen came out from her hiding spot in another room, thrilled that no one had found her. She saw us all gathered around the empty closet and asked what was wrong. My aunt said that us children claimed we saw a man in the closet. Jen giggled and joked that he was going to get us, trying to scare us. It worked, of course. Our parents reassured us we were safe and scolded Jen. They told us it was a new and unfamiliar home and a dark closet, that we had only thought we'd seen a man and that everything was okay. Later that evening, I talked to my cousins about the man some more. Finally, someone other than me had seen something. After seeing him that first time, I had caught glances of him in the corners of my eyes around the house. It was only quick glances, and whenever I saw him, I yelled, It's the smoke man! And me and my two other cousins would scream, running through the house. My older cousins and parents would only laugh, believing we were joking around, but I wasn't. Although I saw him frequently, I feel like God protected us from him. He never got too close, and we never saw him for long amounts of time. The feeling of his desire to hurt us was so incredible. Yet something was stopping him. It was like there was a wall between our families and him, in which he could not pass through. All he could do was watch. And I am completely content with that over his insidious intentions. To be honest, the entire time, even though I was young, I knew the creature's intentions. He wanted me and everyone that was in that house dead. But it wasn't a simple, die in your sleep death without any pain, but a torturous, painful death. Although I believe since I saw him first, he wanted me to suffer the most. In fact, being older now and understanding more, I believe he wanted our souls. It was just terrifying even being in this creature's presence since the amount of hatred was just so overwhelming. Sometime later, I had to say goodbye to my cousins and leave for home. We had been up for a week already, and my mother was tired from all the social interaction and having to take care of my younger brother, who only was a toddler at the time. After leaving that house, I never saw the smoke man again, thank God. But seeing him the first time led me to see other beings like him he opened a gateway to see other things which i never wished to see and now cannot unsee whether it be negative energies the occasional entities which i see when i'm around certain places or even some entities oppressing or latched onto others and recently there's an entity that keeps appearing in my dreams and causing me to sleepwalk. I'll find myself in random rooms, and last night, outside my house. This entity is testing its limits, even appearing in my waking life, hiding in the shadows and watching me. Some might consider this ability a gift, but I would easily get rid of it if I could. It's like they know I can see them, and they like that. Some have even tried to harm me, but I swear that Angel is keeping me safe. I don't know what the smoke man was or how he got into that house. I do know he was malevolent and he did not like us there. He left a touch of darkness in all of us. I have gone back and forth so many times on whether or not I believe that spirits can be inherently good or evil. For the most part, I want to believe spirits are neutral, and then we assign a value based on the surrounding circumstances. Like how we don't view a devastating thunderstorm as evil, it is a natural event. The tragedy comes from the storm's effect on our lives. And then I hear stories like this where the person so undoubtedly feels pure hatred emanating from the entity. And then I don't know what to believe. And then I think, there's no way that all spirits are simply neutral. We often forget that we are sharing a space with many unseen forces. And just as we would threaten or chase away any living beings who break into our homes, these spirits are protecting themselves as well to them we are the enemy i think jake might have been assigned this guardian because he is going to be challenged by many more horrifying things so jake whatever you're doing to keep the smoke man away it's working continue to show gratitude and respect to your guardian every day because not everyone is as lucky Thank you for joining me today. If you like what you heard and would like to support this independently run show, consider becoming a member of my Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to see the different tiers and perks, like live watch parties or private tarot readings. And if you become a believer on my Patreon before the end of the year, I will send you a signed poster. If you'd like to submit a story, email me at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sindalo. Special thanks to Mannequin, Greg Mania, and Jake. Music written by Sapphire Sindalo. For more information on this episode and my guests, visit storieswithsapphire.com.